Welcome to Alaskwatch, the show all about Bigfoot in the great state of Alaska. I'm your host, Beans Baxter. So lace up your boots, zip up your coat, and come with me on an adventure as we explore all things cryptid in the last frontier. Thanks for tuning into this edition of Alaska Watch. We are back. We have um, just returned from CryptidCon, and I have a special guest in the studio with me this uh, week. We have Mrs. Legume, a.k.a. the old lady, a.k.a. my bride. <laughs> hey, everybody. And uh, the reason that uh, we're recording together today is because we're going to give a, I guess, a, uh, a after-action review of CryptidCon. Uh, we just got back just here, um, what was it, last week? And <clears throat> ironically, so every time we travel out of Alaska in the wintertime, there's some kind of, there, there's some sort of uh, weather event or something happens to where there's some sense of, oh my God, are we going to make it? <laughs> are we going to make it there? Are we going to make it back? And this time... Our, our trip out uh, pretty much was pretty uneventful. I mean, you know, we drove up to Anchorage. We spent the night uh, at uh, her sister's house. And then, you know, we made all our flights and everything was on time. And we got to uh, where we were going on time. And we got our rental car with no problems. And even on the way back, <clears throat> we really, I mean, we had a little bit of a hiccup. But it wasn't... Um, it wasn't enough that we got delayed. We actually made it back uh, according to schedule and on time. Uh, we had to do a little, um, a little, a little changing. We had to talk to the ticket uh, counter a little bit. Uh, maybe we'll get into detail about that. Maybe not. But we got back, and the weather was <clears throat> wasn't bad, and we made our drive home uneventful. Uh, we got home okay, and then as soon as we got home. We started getting snow, and we've got, what, like two, three feet of snow in the past few days. And then I guess there's more in the forecast. And we're not strangers to these kinds of, like, dumps of snow. They usually happen later in the in the, in the the winter, kind of towards April, March, usually one big last uh, dump. Uh, but we haven't got a lot of snow like this since probably, I want to say 2012 or something like that. Uh, where we got this much snow this early in the winter. And as soon as I stop talking, she goes to take a drink. So we'll of get, course. We'll get her uh, we'll get her, her take on that as soon as she uh, swallows what she's drinking there. <laughs> no, you're right. I can't exactly remember when. And that's one nice thing about Facebook is it pops up with those little memories when you have photos. And um, I was talk- talking to my coworkers today. And one of my coworkers mentioned that a photo popped up yesterday and it showed 10 years ago and <laughs> there was no snow on the ground. Of course, we have our French Bulldogs in the studio with us, so um, you might hear the occasional uh, snore or uh, snore, but um, they're just so adorable. You can't uh, kick them out. <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah, we don't really know what kind of winter we're going to have. You know, last year, I wasn't sure if we were going to have snow for Christmas. You know, we had almost nothing on the ground. And then my job that I have requires me to 
keep up the maintenance of 160 miles of road where we live. Um, so it has been a stressful few days, but we've been on it pretty good. You know, Alaskans are pretty hardy. Um, I always laugh in the lower 48 when they get two inches of snow and they shut down school and no one goes anywhere. Well, it usually takes two to three feet to shut us down. And even then we didn't shut down completely. There were still people on the roads, even though they probably shouldn't have been. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, <clears throat> I was, uh, pretty surprised to see us get all this snow this early in the year. Uh, I went in the backyard today to get the um, to get one of the balls for the dogs. They have the dog has this particular ball that he likes to play with. It's like a big red ball, and uh, <clears throat> usually I I plow. I use my four wheeler and I plow out a little area for the dogs to play in because they're not very tall and they can't really play in the deep snow. So what day was it? Was it um, Friday or something? Uh, Thursday what? it started. Thursday, Friday so, we got hit. Saturday, not much happened, and then Sunday was the last. Bam. Pow. So I think I think Friday I plowed the the backyard so the dogs could play, and I went back there today. We're recording this on Monday, uh, so between Friday and Monday, it's there's already it's already up almost over my knees back there. So <laughs> I went back there, got the ball, brought it around to the to the driveway so they could play with it out there where it's plowed. But yeah, we're, we're getting hammered with snow. Uh, I can't complain about the temperature though. I mean, at least, um, at least it's good and cold. It's been in the teens, uh, for the last few days. And in fact, the whole time we were gone, it was like really cold and sunny. Uh, I'm kind of glad it held off to, till we got back. If we had come home and it, it was doing it when we got home, we would have had a, a terrible drive home and then if it had stopped before we got home and then we got home, we would have been digging out for like two or three days before uh, we could do anything. So it, it actually worked out, I think, pretty good. But, uh, yeah, we're <laughs> that's one of the reasons why our um, our review of Crypticon is, is kind of coming out a little bit later than I expected is because we've been uh, digging out of snow. I had to make another trip back to Anchorage uh, to pick up some stuff. And then uh, I drove back last night, had a harrowing drive back last night, but only like the last five or 10 miles um, where it was blowing snow and visibility was really low. And then this morning I get up and my check engine lights on my truck. So, um, I mean, I'm glad we didn't have a, a trip that was, you know, full of, of uh, peril and troubles, but it seems like it was storing it up for us for when we got home. There's one thing about Alaska is if there's something that's going to go wrong with your vehicles or your home, it's going to happen in winter and it's going to happen during a storm. That's just the way it is. If your heater's going to break, if you're going to run out of fuel oil, um, if your truck's going to break down, it's going to be in winter and it's going to be during storms when it's the most difficult to get any kind of help because Alaska tests us to our limits, that's for sure. So anyway... Getting on to uh, what we were going to talk about. Do you want to talk about Mammoth Cave at all? Do you want to? You want to... We probably should because the effects of Mammoth Cave uh, lasted through the convention. So. That's true. It might give give people a frame of reference for when we talk about some certain things. So I grew up in Kentucky. Uh, I left when I was 21, I think, when I joined the military. Uh, went to, you know, was born there, went to school there lived there my entire life till till I um, got shipped out to to pretty much a, to basic training and then 
shortly thereafter Alaska. <clears throat> and uh, <laughs> I had never been to Mammoth Cave. Uh, it's not very far from where I grew up. It was like an hour and a half, something like that. And going through elementary school, every year, the fifth grade would go. And I always wanted to go because I, I heard people talk about going. And I always was like fascinated with it. And of course, you know, caves, bats, Batman, stuff like that. I always was into stuff like that. So I wanted to go so bad. Well, when I got into the fifth grade, the sixth grade went. So then when the next year when I got into the sixth grade, the fifth grade went again. So I never got to go. They completely skipped over me. And I never, like, nobody in my family ever, like, offered to take me or, I don't know, maybe I just didn't complain about it enough. So anyway, uh, somehow or another, I managed to get through uh, my time in Kentucky without visiting Mammoth Cave. And this time, you know, we had tacked some extra days on to the beginning of our trip so that we could visit with family. And we were going to be driving from Western Kentucky, where I grew up, to uh, Lexington, where Crypticon was. And basically, we were passing right through the area where Mammoth Cave was, so I suggested that we go check it out. And uh, Mrs. Legume uh, booked us a tour. You know, we, we looked some things up and, and decided that we were going to uh, try and do a tour on Friday afternoon. And Crypticon started uh, Saturday. So our plan was we were going to leave uh, our family's house <clears throat> at like 8 o'clock in the morning, drive to Mammoth Cave. I think our tour was at, was it at 10.30, something like that. It was at 11, check-in was 10.30, yeah. so we had to be there by 10.30. So go on the tour. The tour was like an hour and a half, two hours, something. it was two hours. And then uh, drive the rest of the way up to Lexington, get to the hotel, set up our, our booth, and then uh, Crypticon will be the next day. So that was the plan. And everything went according to plan. Uh, but we, and, and, you know, we're always, we're planners. Both of us are. Uh, when we go somewhere or when we plan to do something, we try to get as much information on it as we can. We're not really like seat of your pants type people. You know, we're not really ready, ready, uh, fire aim. We're, we like to have an itinerary and a, and a schedule and a plan. And so we, we looked up a lot of stuff about the tour and there wasn't really a whole lot of detailed information. I don't think we didn't really watch any videos, but even if we watched the videos, I don't think it would have told us anything. No. But I'll I'll let you uh, jump in here and and start uh, telling the saga of of our um, descent into into Mammoth Cave and and the effects that it had on our bodies. <laughs> well, you know, before I get into that, one comment about you never going to Mammoth Cave. You know, I realized I was born and raised in Alaska, lived here almost my entire life, with the exception of one year in Japan and two years in Kentucky with you. Um, I had never been to Denali National Park before, and we were great outdoorsmen, my family and I. I mean, we spent all the time outdoors. I had never been to that park before. Um, I, my parents never even really took us north of, uh, out of the peninsula, so maybe that's just something that happens. Sometimes you don't go to the great features of your state until you're old enough can make that decision on your own. <laughs> well, to, to be fair, to be fair, uh, f for us in Kentucky, there's not much going on. Well, that was, a, that's a long drive for us. Hour and a half. Oh, that's true. <laughs> uh, and, and to the same, likewise for you guys here in Alaska, that's still a long drive to Denali, um, from, from where you, you grew up. So I can see how that would, 
that would be a factor. I mean, my hour and a half might as well have been your guys's. What is it like six hours or something to get there to Denali? <laughs> so that's probably why neither one of us got to those places when we were younger. Yeah. So Mammoth Cave, we decided to do the Domes and Dripstones tour because that particular tour, um, it's available in the fall. Um, they have more tours available in the summer, but it sounds like sounded like it encompassed um, most of what we wanted to see. Um, there was another tour we were kind of interested in, the historical tour, but um, there's an area of that where it gets extremely narrow for a long period of time, and there were concerns as to whether or not we'd be comfortable um, through that portion. But um, Domes and Dripstones, two-hour tour, it said that it would be 500 steps. Um, 250 down and almost 250 back up. Um, which we were thinking, or I was thinking, okay, you know, I'm not a huge fan of stairs, but you know, I hike, I live in a house that has lots of stairs. I can handle stairs. You know, I'll just take them uh, at my own pace and I'll be fine. What they fail to indicate is that 250 stairs going down are going to be, um, ship captain stairs or attic stairs, which means they're not at the regular, uh, angle that a steps for a house are, they're almost vertically straight up and down. They're extremely steep. Very steep. And the goal is to get you into the cave at the beginning. So you go into this entryway, and Beans will have to make a comment on that in a second. It's kind of funny about the entryway into the cave. So you go into this entryway, and immediately they get you 200 feet down. So you're going 200 feet straight down on 250 stairs. So you're basically walking vertically down into this cave and when it was done i was like "Ooh, that was a bit more intense than i thought it was going to be it was a little scary too at times because they have railing but the railing gets wet the cave is 52 degrees and humid it maintains that temperature because there's no um breeze and no sunlight of course so um Every once in a while, the railing would be quite slippery, and you're like, oh, I'm almost walking straight down, and my hands are not able to stabilize on this railing. Um, I was like, uh, they should have textured railing, <laughs> you know, a little bit safer. So we get to the bottom, and, and it was beautiful. You know, it was quite the environment. You know, it was creepy. It was cool. Um, and basically, there's a ranger in the front, and there's a ranger in the back. The ranger in the front... He leads the way, but he doesn't wait for you. He just goes to the first stopping point, and the ranger in the back slowly kind of pushes people forward. Well, Beams and I are in the front with uh, this one other lady, so we kind of pulled away from the group, and then we started to take our time, and everyone else was backed up taking pictures, versus we kind of pulled far enough ahead to where we could then slow down and start to enjoy ourselves. But we hit this uh, area called Grand Central Station, Apparently the gentleman who created this entrance to the cave was from New York. Um, so he liked, liked to name things after New York, you know, famous New York places. So he called it Grand Central Station. That's your first break. And you get to sit on these benches for about 10 minutes while the ranger talks about the cave, where you're at in the cave. They even turn the lights out at some point and you can really immerse yourself in this environment where there's no sound um, except for the people breathing around you. And then... Um, it was pretty creepy, but um, what happens next is when you do something physically um, that's a bit difficult and then you take a break, what happens is uh, all your muscles tighten up and I went to stand up and I went, oh no, um, it felt like my knees couldn't hold me. <laughs> so um, this goes on for the next hour probably where I'm trying to get 
my knees from wobbling like there. It's like the worst leg day imaginable at the gym. Just think about your worst leg day ever and how it makes you wobble and you feel unsteady. And even though I still enjoyed the cave, I was so concerned about whether or not I'd physically be able to get myself out that um, I did kind of have a hard time enjoying what I was seeing at points. But um, luckily, once they get you in, down, it's a slow descent back up. And I was able to get out of the cave without having to call for any assistance. Um, but um, be warned. <laughs> when they say stairs, they mean uh, attic stairs or uh, ship's captain stairs, not normal stairs. <coughs> and tell them about the cave entrance. So we we start the tour and they kind of, they bus us to this area where the entrance is. And you can't see it. You're kind of standing up on a, on a ridge and they're telling you about, okay, we're going to go down here. We're going to go in the cave. And I'm thinking like the only picture I've seen of the opening of mammoth cave is just this huge, like hole in the ground with stairs going down into it. I'm thinking that's what I'm going to see. That's the historic entrance. Yeah. So they take us down this little pathway and there's this little, um, it's like a concrete, it looks almost like a, a some kind of utility easement or something. There's like a, it almost looks like there would be. Or like a bunker for yeah. like a bomb, like a it, bomb it, shelter. It reminded me of something you would see uh, maybe where there would be like uh, electrical uh, utility equipment or, or, you know, well or mine or, some, uh, you know, equipment like that, you know. And I mean, like, or not mine, well, well equipment. And so they just open this door. It's just a regular door. And then it goes into a little entryway. And then there's another door. And they like prop the door open with rocks because <laughs> they're like, I, I didn't, I didn't think about that, but they're like, don't touch, you know, don't touch the walls. Don't touch this. Don't touch that. And then they prop the door open with rocks. And I was like, are those rocks from the, from the cave? <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah. And then we started going down the, the metal stairs and it was really cool at first, but then probably about halfway down, I was like, man, this is like hard work to get down here. Uh, there were some people on the tour with us that were older than us. So I was pretty confident like, well, if they can make it, we'll make it. Um, but you know, I'm in probably a little bit better shape than you are, uh, just because of some of the stuff I do outdoors. But I, I got really sore too, but not to the point. In fact, I went down, there's an optional area where he says there's like 50 steps over here. If you go down here, you can see the frozen Niagara, which is just amazing. Um, and I went down there and you did not. I was worried. Yeah. I was like, I better not push it. I'm I'm at the <clears> end. <throat> I'm still alive. I better not push it. But I knew, I was like, that's. I, I know we're toward the end. It's 50 steps. And if I don't go down there, I'm going to, like, I'm, I'll probably never get to come by this way again. So I was like, I'm going to do it. And I'm going to go down. And I made it. It was fine. I mean, and I think he actually, he said it was like, he said it's like 48 steps or something like that. And I actually counted them. It was like 46 or 47. Like, he was off by a couple. But, uh, yeah, we... We didn't see, let's see, we saw uh, cave crickets. We saw mm-hmm. some cave spiders. Um, it's something really, like, I'm amazed that I haven't heard about, because like you said, there's a ranger at the front, a ranger at the back, and pretty much everybody else is, just, you're pretty much left to your own devices just to walk around in the cave. And there's some areas where it gets pretty dark. I mean, they try and light the, the path, uh, with some like floodlights and stuff, but there's some areas where it's pretty dim and the, a lot of the railings don't necessarily go all the way um, to the ground. And there's some areas and all I could think of was like, I can't believe some kid hasn't just like 
jumped out into this like abyss you know like i haven't heard of any any kids getting lost in a cave or anything like that but especially when we're going down those stairs uh some of those railings you know they were wide enough that a little kid could could you know uh, crawl through mm-hmm. and i was just amazed that i haven't heard of anybody falling through there or it could be difficult for a smaller child to reach the railings to try to go down the stairs yeah. of course when you're a kid you know you're invincible so you probably don't really think about that stuff but now that i'm older i feel my mortality a little bit more <laughs> i get more nervous in these uh in these situations and it wasn't going up was not the problem up was fine it was going down it felt like my knees were buckling um and I don't have bad knees. You know, I've never had a knee injury. Um, but as you get older, you know, things do start to wear down on you. But, um, yeah, so up wasn't a problem. It was down. <laughs> so, anyway, <clears throat> that was Friday. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so we get to the hotel. We set up the the booth for Crypticon. We well, get... actually, we check in. Remember, they tell us we can't set up yeah. until 7. And we got there at 5. So we got our passes, um, and we took a nap, a much-needed nap. (laughs) So we we get everything set up, and we're already, like, sore. We're we're starting to be sore. Well, then, of course, we're going to be sitting at the booth all weekend, and that doesn't help because, I mean, you're not, if you're sitting still, you're, you're not moving that lactic acid around in your legs. You're not doing anything to dispel it. So we were sitting for long periods of time. Well, we sat for a long period of time in the car to drive there. Then we sat for a long period of time at the booth all weekend. So we were both really sore. Uh, I mean, I'm sure every time I got up to move, I was like self-conscious about it. I'm like, are people like looking at the way I'm walking? Because, you know, how you walk when you're sore and you kind of waddle. But, uh, yeah, it was it was kind of a, I mean, it was fun experience and I'm glad we did it. <clears throat> but holy cow, was I not expecting to be like sore all weekend. It probably affected um, how I experienced the convention because I probably would have got up and walked around a little bit more if I wasn't so sore. And I probably would have uh, spent a little bit more time up and, and about. I think I only got up and walked around like once really. But and at the same time, we're, you know, I'm selling books and I want people to to be able to get them signed. So I feel pressure to sit at the booth as much as possible. Um, but anyway, this is what you're, so you attended international Bigfoot conference with me one year as mm-hmm. a guest. Yeah. And then you did uh Medellin falls with me, mm-hmm. did the Fairbanks uh, expo yeah. with me. So this is your third Bigfoot or cryptic convention. Third as a vendor, fourth at a convention. So, what were your thoughts? So, it's amazing how you can tell the difference between the conventions that are newer to it versus ones that are more experienced. Um, one thing that was nice about this convention was they kept you informed. Um, so, we knew what to expect. We knew when to be where. Um, we got there. They had someone sitting at the desk, even though it was only 5 p.m. And you couldn't set up till 7, but you could still check in and get your passes um, they answered all our questions, um, and of course, they had um, different areas set up, and our booth was in, I forget the name of the area, was it the, the paddock? The paddock, and it was the farthest away from everything, so here we are, hobbling, 
like we're crippled and we have to walk so far to where our booth is. It was this long uh, hallway that reminds you of like something that you'd see in a scary movie. It was like, like 300 yards. It was so far. <laughs> but luckily we brought our merchandise in suitcases that you could roll, the kinds you could just walk with. So we didn't have to carry anything. We were just able to roll our merchandise to the, to the booth. But... Um, there was plenty of um, banners and signs and advertising too while you were there. Um, one of the downsides was parking. I feel like if you have a hotel with a convention center attached, you should have parking for the convention center. I felt like their parking was strictly for hotel guests. Um, and when we got there that night, it was already probably, I would say 60% full, if not more. And we were concerned about getting a parking spot. We're like, once we park, we should probably not plan on going anywhere for a while. And sure enough, once we parked on Friday, we didn't go anywhere again until Sunday night. Uh, we stayed in our spot. Um, but parking was an issue. Yeah. I had a cousin come to the convention and visit us and look around and she texted me. Basically, she's like, we're here, but we can't find a parking spot. And it, it took them quite a while, I think, to find a parking spot. They had to park uh, kind of far away. I think they parked at a different hotel down the I road. Know. I told them to, but I think they ended up parking somewhere else. I don't mm-hmm. know. Cause, but, uh, yeah, I, I felt that, yeah, the parking was possibly uh, an issue. And they didn't. I don't think they had any kind of contingency plan for that. They didn't have any, like, okay, well, let's get a shuttle going. And you people can park here. And we'll, you know, show you to the convention no plans for overflow parking right and i mean i don't know this is i think this is the third or fourth cryptic con but i know it's been at different places i don't think it's ever been at this place before that's what people told us who have attended yeah. everyone so i can see maybe that might if they have it there again hopefully that's something they address um another thing you know i you were right they had people waiting there when we got there they told us you know where we needed to be and all that stuff uh but i didn't feel like uh, you know, it, it, maybe it happened while I was not at the table, but I never saw any um, any of the organizers or anybody come by to check in with us, see how we were doing, uh, ask us if we needed anything. Uh, I was a part of the podcasters panel on Saturday night, and nobody, you know, got with me about that. Nobody checked in with me about that. Basically, we wandered in. Uh, like a couple of hobos and we're like, are we supposed to be here? <laughs> Where am I? And I kind of, the answer I got was kind of like, Oh, just go sit over there. We're almost done, you know, ready for you. Uh, and I was like, man, I don't feel very, I don't feel like a special guest. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't really have an itinerary. Um, they did have like a flyer with some times, but they didn't, yeah, you're right. They didn't really tell people who were there. Um, where they need to be and when. And Friday night, they had like a VIP meet and greet that we happened to like stumble into because we were checking out the different locations. I don't even think, I don't know that we were actually supposed to be in there. I don't think we were supposed to be there when it was starting, but at that point it had pretty much broken up. And then we saw Adam, so your friend. So we were like, oh, you know, let's spend time together. Yeah. Well, I was the only one drinking any beer from the bar. So I think if they'd have tried to make me leave, the bartender probably would have would have protested because he's like, "You're the only one drinking anything." Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but that was Friday night, and then so Saturday, you know, it was a good day. You know, we had quite a bit of foot traffic. Um, we were a little worried that it was going to be like Meddling Falls, where we were too far away from the main action. Um, and I think we probably didn't get as much traffic if we had been in the main area, but we still got a lot of traffic. Yeah, well, I think the thing that I think this was a good this was good on the organizers' part for doing this. 
the thing that helped us with that is they put the mountain mon- I mean, we were right next to the mountain monster guys and they were a big draw this year. Uh, you know, what, you know, love them or hate them. They were, you know, they're popular and they were there, uh, just a couple of tables down from us. And I think, you know, you saw the line, like before they got there Saturday morning, the line was wrapped around the room, almost out to the door. And it was a big room. It was like a big gymnasium. So I think the fact that they were there, we were in the area where they were, I think that drew a lot of people in there to us. However, <laughs> that being said, <clears throat> I do know there was at least two gentlemen that made comments online about, oh, I didn't see this person or I didn't see that. And somebody made the comment like, oh, they're in, we, we were in this room or in, you know, that. And they were like, oh, I didn't see that room or I didn't know that room was there. Um, so, I mean, are they just really unobservant and didn't see the signs and, and didn't, you know, think to go that way? Or is it, you know, is, is it poor planning on the organizer's part? I really don't know. Seemed like we had plenty of foot traffic. <clears throat> it was a, it was about what I expected, actually. Uh, you know, I think probably the people that we didn't see that didn't make it down there was very a very small amount, a very low number. Um, they had signs up that says, you know, Mount Monsters and more vendors this way. Um, it was... I think as, as well put together as they could have for that space, it was a little spread out, but I don't think they could have crammed us all into any of those, those smaller rooms. Although <clears throat> I do think I did hear some people criticize the size of the speaker's room, uh, and say that they couldn't get, you know, all the people that wanted to go in and see some of the speakers, like the finding Bigfoot guys, like Cliff Brackman and those guys, they couldn't get all, all the people in the room. So I almost feel like it would have been nice if they'd have made the speaker room, another vendor room, and then that big gymnasium where we were at, make that the speaker room. Mm. So Saturday, the convention was from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. And the panel was supposed to be at 7. So we had prepared ourselves. We had gotten food ordered. We picked it up as soon as we our booth closed at 6. We just threw the cloth over on top of it. You know, called it good, got our food, went back to the room to eat. Um, then it was time for the podcast panel. And we saw the advertisements that CryptidCon put on about it. And it had like your logo. It seems like there was about six podcasts there, maybe eight at the most, that was advertised. Um, and they even asked you, like, hey, submit some questions. You might want the moderator. Now, for those of you who have been to panels, have been on a panel, or perhaps listened to podcasts that have been on panels, there's always a moderator. There should be. That's the person who's guiding the the questions, keeping the the panel on track. Um, I don't remember the moderator's name, but apparently he works for that um, creepy representative. Creepy people management. Yeah, he works for them. Um, But um, so we get there once we figure out where we're supposed to go. Um, and then we see three chairs on the stage and this guy's just kind of hanging around at the podium and we ask him, is this where we're supposed to be? He's like, yes. And he's like, are we, you know, you're like, where am I supposed to sit? And they're like, well, we'll bring some chairs out. And then nothing really happened for a really long time. And then it was time to start and they kind of just started bringing some chairs. And then how many people do you think sat down? 20 people for the podcasters? Are you talking about... Are you talking about people on the panel, or are you talking about... People on the panel. Yeah, it, there were a lot, but it was, it was. I mean, a lot of shows have multiple... I think one, there were two shows there that had at least three hosts. Yeah. 
I think what happened was is people had heard they were podcasts <laughs> and they had heard about the panel and they're like, oh, I want to be on that. They weren't people that were prearranged because the little bill, the billing for it yeah. had, I think, like six podcasts on there. And the problem with this is it was a two hour window that they were going to do this from 7 to 9 p.m. And if the moderator, I think, had controlled it a bit more, it probably would have worked. But it was way too much of a free-for-all. I thought it was very disorganized, and I wasn't too... I was a member of the audience, not on the panel, but um, I wasn't too happy with how it turned <laughs> out. <laughs> well, I mean, it was, it was my first uh, time doing a panel like that. I mean, I've been on, like, a guest panel... Uh, where basically you just go down the line and give everybody a chance to answer, <clears throat> and uh, but it was only like a, it was only a couple of us. Uh, this was you know there's like you said there's like twenty people in line and I mean by the time you get by the time they get halfway down the line you know the people at the end of the line what was the question you know like I forgot what we were doing you know and um, I, I feel like they probably could have broken broken it up into two panels probably or something like that because I think there was probably too many. Too many people. Well, I think what they should have done was said, okay, you know, if you have three people on your podcast, three people can sit up there, but only one person really needs to be answering or speaking for the podcast. Um, But they started off where they asked one question. They asked for, well, first off, they said, everyone introduce yourselves. And some people took longer than others. You know, that should have been a minute or less answer. Some people chose to speak for five minutes to explain what their podcast was, uh, which... Usually, uh, if you take longer than a minute to answer a question, um, I'm going to start dazing and (laughs) and my eyes are going to start wandering and (laughs) I start to get a little, uh, come on, you know, we've got 20 people to get through. You need to to stop and get to the next person. But everyone introduced themselves and I think they were primarily cryptid podcasts. There was one I wasn't really too sure what it's about, the three ladies at the end. I don't really know what their podcast is about, but... I'm not sure that they do either. Yeah, that's true. It was really random. No, it was I'm, odd. J- I'm joking. <laughs> uh, actually, I think they don't really know what they're doing either. Um, no, I, I don't... I don't... Uh, well, here's a here's a funny story from the panel. So we're standing around waiting for it to start and trying to figure out what's going on. There's not really any kind of formal like check-in process or anything where I was like, hey, I'm Beans from Alaska. Watch, where do I go? <clears throat> so we're kind of sitting around waiting. Well, the guys from the Hodag store come in, and they're um, it, it, the Hodag. It's like a Wisconsin cryptid. It's it's a whole thing. They've got a they had a huge booth. Uh, one of them was always running around in a Hodag costume, doing crazy stuff. There's all kinds of videos of it. If you go to the Crypticon um, social media, I think Instagram and stuff like that, they've got videos of it. Well, those guys come in and they've got um, Hodag like beer, and it's like real beer. At first, I thought they were it was like root beer or something. They start handing it out. And so I took some, because, you know, hey, free beer, come on. So I took one, and I made a joke about, like, is this real beer? And the guy's like, yeah. And I was like, ha-ha. I was like, you didn't even card me. I'm under 21. And I started drinking it, and the guy next to me started, like, he said something, too. And we were, like, going back and forth. And I was like, man, I know that guy's voice. Like, I've heard it, but it's a podcaster's panel. So I'm like, I'm sure. Well, um this uh, kid I know, Paul Costco comes up and he walks up to the guy and he goes, uh, are you Micah Hanks? And the guy's like, well, yes, I am. And I'm like, oh my God, that's Micah Hanks. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't even know he was there. And, um, that, that was, uh, that was pretty cool. And then, um, oh, who was the other one that was there? 
the guy that um, produces uh, Cliff and Bobo's podcast. Oh, I can't remember his name. I think it's mm-hmm. Tim. But I, I didn't. I didn't know. Well, I'd never seen him. I've heard him on podcasts before, but I'd never seen him. Same thing with Micah Hanks. You know, I'd probably seen a couple of pictures of him, but I'm more familiar with his voice than I am him. But uh, yeah, that was. <laughs> I had no idea who was on the panel with me until I started hearing people introduce themselves, and uh, I recognized a few names. So that was that was pretty cool. So I want to get back to the panel, but a little quick. You just mentioned about hearing people's voices but not recognizing them. Since you've retired, you've grown a beard. And your appearance on that episode of Alaska Triangle, season one, episode two, I believe it was, about poor Chatham Bigfoot, and then on the back of your book, you have no beard. So many people would come to the table and we'd talk to them about Port Chatham and we'd say, did you see the episode Alaska Triangle? And they'd say yes and Beans would be like, that's me. And they're like, oh my God, it is you. You don't you don't have a beard in the show. And it's like, well, he wasn't retired then, but he's retired now. So, so many people didn't realize that they were talking to the gentleman in Alaska Triangle or they'd pick up the book, see his photo on the back of the book and be like, is this you? Is this your book? Did you write this? Just a little beard does like I need wonders. To, I need to get a Sharpie and draw a little beard on my author photo on the back of the book. <clears throat> so back to the panel. The moderator, um, before they got started, apparently he represents uh, Bobo. And, you know, I like the Finding Bigfoot people just fine. And Bobo uh, and Cliff's podcast, I've heard a few episodes when you're listening to it. And it's pretty enjoyable. And I like Bobo. He seems like a cool character. But this gentleman talked about Bobo for 10 minutes or more, and Bobo was not there at the convention. (laughs) And I was just like, oh, my God. So he talks about people he represents with his company. Then they introduce all the podcasts and let everyone talk. And then they ask you guys a question. They go, what is your favorite episode? And once again... Um, people, instead of just answering the question of what their favorite episode is, they start to tell you about their life history and they get really sidetracked. <laughs> it was frustrating. I was born on a far, small farm in Kansas in the early 18, 18, uh, 1980s. And my father was a stern man and he used to take me aside and tell me, yeah, that kind of it, stuff. Yeah, it was, <clears throat> oh, and these people can focus. And all I could think of is I'm sitting there because I'm not a podcaster. I do guest on these episodes once in a while, but I I listen to podcasts. I have listened to podcasts now for 13 years, uh, but I'm not on them. All I can think of is these people are definitely podcast hosts because they're trying to stretch their time and they don't realize it. Like they're just talking and talking and I'm like, oh my God, you can tell like as if they're trying to create an episode, they're really trying to stretch their time. So when it got to you, I thought you did a great job because you kept it like under two minutes, your answer. Well, to, to be fair. To be fair. I think that to my detriment, uh, a lot of that comes from law enforcement because I'm used to talking on the radio and I'm used to, I got to get this information out, you know, who, what, when, where, how I got to get it out there and be done with it. I got to free up the radio so other people can talk and it's good because I can get good detailed information out in a short amount of time, but it's bad because then my podcast is five minutes long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but your story, I think the way you talked, the humor you put into it, your story stood out. Like you had people coming to you afterwards 
versus I think a lot of people mm-hmm. who droned on. I, I couldn't even tell you what their podcast was about, let alone anything about them. I just, they went on and they lost me. Like my attention span apparently isn't that good. But the gentleman who went after you, it was a couple, it was an older gentleman and his wife. And he says, well, it's like picking between my children. I can't really pick a favorite episode. So I'll just tell you about four of them. And that's exactly what he did. He described four different episodes that weren't his favorite. I was, I, I wanted to stand up and just say, over the line. Like, <laughs> you're breaking the rules. This is not how this works. But um, everyone went down the line again, answered the question. And then even though it was only 8 o'clock, it was like 8.05, the moderator had left at like 7.50. And so after everyone answered that one question, uh, a gentleman who the moderator had spoken to says, okay, um, we've got time for about one question from the audience. At this point, the audience has not participated in any way, has not asked any questions. Um, One question from the audience and then we gotta go. But at that point, it's only 8.05. Like we were supposed to go for another hour. So one person from the audience asked a question. I felt like I shouldn't be the one to ask. I thought, you know, someone who wasn't involved in the podcast should ask. But I did have a couple questions that I had formed from listening to people. And I was like, okay, I guess I don't get to ask them. Um, but I don't know. What do you think? Well, I they like you said, they had asked me uh, to send in some questions I thought might be good for the moderator to ask. And I did. And I and I, they even replied, I don't know who I was, I don't know who I was conversing with. It might've been the moderator for all I know. It was via email. And uh, they said, oh, that, those are really good questions. And, I, and one of them was <clears throat> for the, you know, the podcast host, how do you feel that podcasts have changed the paranormal slash cryptic community? You know, and that's, I mean, you can get pretty deep into weeds. And I, I guarantee you, if they had asked that question at the panel, we'd still be there. <laughs> <laughs> so i'm i'm gonna I, and i've kind of talked about that a little bit uh on my podcast and i'll probably i will answer that question on here eventually not during this episode but uh yeah i i felt that there there was some really good questions that you know didn't get asked um and i don't think honestly i think the panel was so large that i don't think we had the time to really uh, get into it. Uh, even if it had went to nine o'clock, we would have probably only got through two more questions, maybe. Well, the audience would have had to ask specific questions, I think, of specific podcasts. Like they would have said, hey, this is for a last watch. This is my question for you. You know, then perhaps it would have, you could have gotten a few more in there. <clears throat> but um, I was a little excited because I had never been an audience member on a panel, panel before. I've only listened to them um through podcasts I listen to or, you know, TV shows I watch. But, um, so I was pretty excited. And then I was so disappointed on how this one went, but I think it's perhaps because they're inexperienced, you know, they don't really, um, have a lot of practice with panels, moderators, um, and maybe they'll get better in the future about it. Yeah. I mean, this was the first time they did, uh, this kind of uh, panel at CryptidCon, and I'm sure they'll probably do it again. Uh, I was a little surprised when the moderator left. I can't, like, I cannot remember his name. Uh, I thought, I mean, I don't know what's going on. I mean, maybe he had some kind of emergency or maybe, you know, I don't know. Maybe his dog was sick. His house was on fire. I don't know. But I, I thought it was kind of unprofessionally left. Um, and he didn't, you know, he didn't say, he basically just went up to one of the other panel members and was like, Hey, I got to go. Can you, you know, wrap this up or whatever? Um, <clears throat> but I mean, like I said, maybe he had some kind of emergency he had to leave for. 
uh, I'm kind of curious as to <laughs> what it was. I mean, maybe he was just like, this sucks. I'm going, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that, that was, uh, that was probably my most negative comment on the entire like Crypticon thing was probably the, the fact that the moderator left like not even halfway through the, the panel. Uh, but I don't know what was going on. Maybe he had a good reason. Uh, otherwise I, I enjoyed the panel. I enjoyed listening to other podcasters and I've went out, I've sought out some of those, uh, shows and I've listened to a couple of them. I already have more podcasts that I, than I can listen to. Like I have like too many to keep up with and, and pretty much all I do all day while I'm working at home is listen to podcasts and I still can't get through all of them. But, um, I know I had some people come up to me after the panel while we were still in the room and, you know, ask me for my show information. So I hope we gain some new listeners from that. And, uh, you know, I, I had a good time. I know it's, we're being kind of negative, but, uh, it was a cool experience and I'd love to do it again. Uh, I don't know that we're going to do Crypticon again. I think we might actually try, uh, for another one in the South, uh, was it the Smoky Mountain Bigfoot Conference, something like that. I have to get in touch with them and see, uh, if they have any vendor spots available, if we can uh, get one, I think the tickets actually go on sale here December 1st for that. So I'll have to reach out to them and see what's going with that. If not, maybe we'll do Crypticon again. Mm. Yeah, no. Yeah. The panel wasn't, you know, you're right. We are kind of talking negative about it and that's just my outsider perspective. I think, you know, I'm, I'm outside of this world and I was just looking at it from a, and I'm also a, you know, professional in my, my work, you know, I was an, an admin, you know, assistant for 20 years. I've now switched to a different position, but um, I'm used to organizing things, keeping people on task. You know, I'm support staff. I keep everyone in line, in order. And when I see that kind of chaos, it just irks me. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a professional organizer, you know, but um, it was neat to meet different people because you did have people come up to you and say, Hey, let's do a cross episode or, Hey, I've listened to you before, but you know, I've never met you. So that part was good. It's a good way to, um, socialize and network. Um, so that, that was a good, a good aspect of it. But, um, then Sunday, so we were expecting it to be kind of slow on Sunday. Um, it was from 10 to five. So we were able to sleep in a little bit. Um, and our booth was already set up from the day, the day before. So that was great. Um, but it was busy. Like it was just as busy the second day as it was the first day. And, um, I think I was in a lot less pain. Um, Saturday was really hard for me. Um, I was in a lot of pain from Mammoth Cave. I felt quite a bit better on Sunday, like a lot better. So I think I was, had a little bit more energy. So, um, I was pretty motivated, you know, I was talking to people a lot and, you know, that's one subject I really like to talk about Alaska. You know, I don't mind talking about Bigfoot too. I know a little bit about it. I, I know a lot about you, so I can, you know, really talk about you. But, um, anytime people want to discuss Alaska and how special a state it is, I'm happy to converse with them about it. And my best and favorite thing about people in Kentucky is when you say you're from Alaska, they go, Alaska. <laughs> I just love that. <laughs> They're always so shocked. <laughs> yeah. Well, to to put things in perspective about Saturday, maybe one of the reasons why uh, we're so negative <laughs> about that is because basically every time we had to get up and move, we were just like, "Oh my god." <laughs> <laughs> if there, if we hadn't had an elevate working elevator to get to our room, we'd probably still be trying to climb the steps to get there because we were both waddling around so sore with all that acid in our thighs and our legs 
Oh. Mm, yeah. But no, yeah, Sunday was really good. We felt a lot better, and um, I thought Sunday went really well. And I was also able to, I didn't walk around a bunch just because it was so difficult for me to get around, but I did make a lap, and I even purchased, um, I should have brought them here into the room. Uh, they're upstairs. I purchased these uh, trading cards. Nope, they're in here. Oh, you've got them? Yeah. These are so cute. Oh, like I can't get into the drawer. So I went to this little booth and it's these young ladies and they're artists. But these trading cards are so cute. It's called Studio C-A-D-C-I-O. So Catcio? C-A-D-C-I-O. She has all these little cryptids, but she makes them really chibi, you know, which is cute. So I picked out Bigfoot, of course. And it says Bigfoot, Bluff Creek, California. It's a cute little Bigfoot. It's got a hologram on it. And then I picked the Hopkinsville Goblins because Beans is from Kentucky. And then she came by on the last day and she gave me a free um, jackalope, which says Douglas, uh, Wyoming. So these trading cards have these cryptids, the name of the cryptid, and then the location of where um, where they're from. So that was really cute. Um, I enjoyed seeing how other people set up their booths because we're so new to it. Um, I'm learning. <clears throat> So I got a lot of ideas from looking at other people who had years and years of experience um, going to these conventions, how they have their setup. Um, so it gave me a lot of ideas. So it was really good for research for me because um, that's the part that I really enjoy is how to set up the booth, you know, what products people might want. Um, so that part was great. I learned a lot um, and I thought people had some really cute stuff. Yeah. Well, we were, we were also limited by what we can put in our suitcases basically is what we can bring. Um, some people have some like elaborate shelving and, and uh, displays to, to hang things on. And we at present can't really do that because we're kind of limited by what we bring. And I mean, this trip, you know, when we went to Medellin Falls, I had to take all my, my field gear with me and camping gear. So that really limited on what is, what we could take. This one was a little bit better because th this way we had, two full suitcases plus some that we could because i didn't take any field gear with us uh, that you know we could put merchandise and stuff in stuff for the table so it worked out a little bit better <clears throat> but uh yeah maybe we might have to purchase some uh shelving or something and keep it store it somewhere down in the lower 48 so we can uh, get it when we do cons down there so if you're new to the podcast because of the uh conference you know let us know i'm curious you know uh, did we get new people listening because of the conference? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm curious. You know, we met a lot of really nice people. We met, you know, other professionals like you. And we met a lot of people who came by the booth. So I actually had a really good time despite the horrifying pain I was in. <laughs> I, I did have a good time. And I'm looking forward to the next one. You know, I do like talking to people. So um, I'm... We were, we were uh, constantly jacked up on about 200 milligrams of ibuprofen during the Yes, we were very smart to purchase pain medication before the trip in anticipation of Mammoth Cave being difficult. <clears throat> Didn't realize it was this difficult. Oh, and if you're curious about Mammoth Cave, I'll be writing a review on recreation.gov about all the details that were not on there to answer all these questions I had because the devil's in the details. <laughs> Yeah, that'll be on the Domes and Dripstones yeah. uh, tour. So you can <laughs> read that see my review. There. Ah! It's just going to be like just a bunch of screams. <laughs> yeah. 
It you know it wasn't that bad. It was just there was a lot of um, they don't go into real detail about things about how steep the descent is. I mean they do tell you you know before you go down the what did the guy say? He says if you had uh, if you've had major surgery recently maybe you don't want to do this. Yeah, which and, I had not <laughs> had yeah. major surgery. But you know maybe they should also add you know if you're if you're like. Uh, grossly out of shape you shouldn't well if you're not an extreme gym yeah. participant it's like uh i don't yeah i mean i exercise but i don't exercise at that level i'm not you know a, a professional athlete <laughs> yeah well to be fair that uh, ranger coming up the back she wasn't either so yeah but she does that three times a day how could you not be in better shape if you're if you do that three times a day i bet she has great legs <laughs> But no, so Sunday after we closed down, um, we were smart enough to get the hotel another night, uh, which was a great idea because then we didn't have to move any of our stuff. We were able to break it down when we were ready. Breakdown was quick. We got back to the hotel room and then we had plans to go out to eat and to go see Ghostbusters, the new Ghostbusters Afterlife movie, uh, which we'll be reviewing uh, soon in another episode. (laughs) That's, That's gonna be our next episode. And anyway, so we're coming up on uh, an hour here so crypticon yay or nay i think yay i yay? i do and i think the more these conventions are around the better they're going to be about um ironing out all those issues that they yeah. have and i hope they actually make the panel a a tradition and they really rev it up like really get a nice panel going I think that would be great. Yeah. I was a little disappointed I get to spend more time with um, some people like, uh, you know, Adam, Seth Breedlove, uh, Cliff, and those guys. I did get to speak to Cliff briefly. Uh, Renee, uh, Renee, Renee actually came by our booth, which I thought was really cool. Uh, that was the first time I've met her. Uh, she actually has done some uh, work, field work up here in Alaska for her uh, background in biology. So that was cool learning about that. But uh, yeah, I didn't really get to spend a lot of time with uh, any of the of the guests. Uh, there were some Kentucky researchers uh, that I didn't really get a chance to to speak with that I kind of wish I had now. Uh, Charlie Raymond and uh, Tom Shea and those guys. But uh, you know, I'm sure if we go back, I'm sure we'll see them again. So, uh, any final thoughts on Crypticon before I take us out? Um, no, I just I think I'd give it a solid. Uh, I'd give it a solid B. <laughs> <laughs> I'd give it a B, maybe a B plus, B plus. So um, we did have everything available to us within that convention center. We literally did not leave that convention center or hotel once we arrived there on Friday. We did not leave again until Sunday night. So it had everything we needed right there. So that was a plus. Okay, I'll give it a B plus, B plus. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so we're going to get off here. We will be back here soon with our review of Ghostbusters Afterlife. And um, if you guys are thinking about going to CryptidCon, I'm sure they're going to have a great one next year. Uh, we had fun at this one and can't wait to go to more cons. Uh, we're, you know, use these as a chance to get out, uh, get away from Alaska and do some uh, exploring of the War 48 and um, meet some great people. So you're listening to Alaska Watch and we'll be back soon with another great episode. And uh, take care and head to the alaskwatchpodcast.com website where you can pick up a signed copy of my book and search. No, what's the name of the book? Abandoned. Abandoned. (laughs) (laughs) The History and Horror Report Chatham. Uh, You can pick up an Alaska Watch 
podcast t-shirt and all kinds of little magnets and stickers and goodies that uh, we usually sell at cons. So if you can't make it to a con, this would be a great chance for you to buy one through the mail. And if you know anybody that's a big fan of Alaska or Bigfoot, uh, it's a perfect opportunity to buy them a good Christmas gift and uh, order now before uh, it gets too late to get there because it's got to come from Alaska. So the sooner the better. Good night. Good night. Thank you.